Welcome to Jags Drive Time with John Osher and Brian Sexton. Sexton. Wow! Jags Drive Time starts right now. Hello and welcome to Jags Drive Time. Brian Sexton along with John Osher here, and we're getting to the end of March. It, it really, Mar- uh, John, it, it's it's surprising how quickly we are on the cusp of the draft. And, I thought you were going to say it's, it's surprising how quickly March is going. I, I, like, well, they yeah. always go at the same pace. No, no, I know. 30, 24 30 hours a day, uh, 30 <laughs> days, the whole nine yards. No, I hear Look, what you Part that. of that is, is that the Jaguar season extended almost to yeah. the end of January. And so instead of being done right around the new year, there was a whole other month. But here we are now, uh, five weeks from the draft. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, we're really, you got owners meetings that you'll be at yeah. over the weekend and next week. We're almost there. Yeah, it it goes quick, and and they, uh, you know, the NFL has pushed that a little bit by extending the season now into what is the Super Bowl first week of February, right? Uh, with the seventeenth game, you know, you always hear stuff. It's, at some point, they may add an eighteenth. They push this, you know, boy, are they compressing the off season? Uh, but yeah, we're almost there. We've got a lot to talk about in today's show. We'll start with big things and get right to it. John, I know we're going to talk at some point over the course of Ozone Snapshot later in the show about the emails that you're getting about improvement and folks not necessarily understanding how the Jaguars can improve their roster if they're not bringing in new players. But improvement comes in a lot of different ways, and a big part of that is the roster can get better without adding big-name free agents. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Also, number two on the big things list is some key reserves are back. Yesterday, Trey Herndon re-signed. Adam Gotsis re-signed. These aren't big-name players that people are saying, oh, absolutely, that solves problems. But it does mean that you've got reliable players who fit a very specific role who are back in Jacksonville. And finally, big thing three, stones, meaning turn over the stones. This is really the time of year where the money that you put into the scouting department pays big dividends or it doesn't. And, John, starting with big thing three, the um, scouting budget's huge. For an NFL team. Sure. I mean, you've got guys who are out on the road all season long, driving, flying, staying in hotels, eating. You know, it's it's a big part of the Jaguars football budget. And this is where investing in the right guys and the right tools pays off. Because when you don't have the room on your cap to sign, you've got to find ways to do it in the draft. Well, yes, you have to find ways to do it in the draft. You also have to find ways to do it in second and third tier free agency. Uh, and that's not the scouting you were talking about, but it's still part of what they do. Uh, I think second and third tier free agency could be very important. Uh, and uh, I'm referencing Arden Key, who's been a big topic for the last uh, week or so. Um, remember, they got Arden Key second tier free agency last year on a, on a one-year deal. Uh, he's the sort of player that I think at some point it may be two or three weeks down the road that they would like to get a a third-tier guy to come in and give them some sort of help in some areas would be my guess. But more to your point, um, the scouting and the structure and the approach in the draft is, is about to become much more imp- – it's always important. It's about to become critical – when they sign Trevor Lawrence to the big contract that will happen at some point in the next couple of seasons, you will, be, by necessity, become a 
quarterback-centric salary cap, much like the Chiefs. There's a little room on those franchises for big-name guys, but you can't have the spending sprees in free agency that Jaguars have had the last couple of years. Well, it, it won't happen. It can't happen. And I had somebody ask me the other day, how is it that the Chiefs, with their high-dollar quarterback, are able to give Juwan Taylor $20 million a year and the Jaguars can't and they haven't paid their quarterback yet? But you have to go back to last year. The reason that the Jaguars don't have the financial means, I shouldn't say that, because Mr. Khan could obviously write the check, but they don't have the cap room, is because they spent so heavily the last two right. off-seasons in free agency, they don't have the room to go out and do it now three, four years from now when they become a draft and develop team. Right. There's probably some room on the margins to be able to go and do that. It's, it's uh, you know, I don't think people remember or understand how – much they had to sign in free agency just to get back to the point where they could do what they did last year. Where they could compete. Um, and if you look at what they did, they added high price. They completely rebuilt their, their receiving core. And now you have uh, late first contract in Calvin Ridley, a first-round contract at that spot. Right. You also have free agent money veteran free agent money at wide receiver Christian Kirk, wide receiver Zay Jones, Ingram, Brandon Sheriff was signed last year, Cam Robinson was re-upped last year. You have a lot of early second contract money all around the offense. You also, Foya Luikon, Foya Fadakasi. The year before, Roy Robertson Darius Harris. Williams, Roy, Roy Robertson Sean Harris. Jenkins. So that's, Trent Ball could be the first one to tell you. That's too many second contract big dollar the there. But they had to do it to get back. But when they did it, the first thing Trent Baalke said after that uh, signing class way back in 2022, this won't happen next year. Right. It can't happen next year. This was about – the plan was always get it to this year. It was going to be a two-year deal with these guys, and then your cap would get freed up where you could start being a draft and develop team and – really get the cap right. I mean, Trent would be the first one to tell you, it's not right right now. This is not how you want to function long-term, but they had to get back to competitiveness, and that's how they did it. Well, and you also look at what the Jaguars can and will want to re-sign. You mentioned Trevor. He's eligible for a contract yeah. after next season. You've got Josh Allen, and if he comes out and has a big year this year, you're going to want to give him that. Tyson Campbell's coming up soon, and mm -hmm. he's obviously a cornerstone. And then you look at a guy like Travis Etienne, who's only played one of his first two years, but after this year, you have the opportunity to pay him, or at least in the next two yeah. years, pay him. So you're not just thinking about right there next season. You're thinking about the year after and the year after, and you've got to be able to plan for some of these players that you expect to be here. Well, and you've got, you know, I don't know enough about a, you can't predict the future, and I don't, you know, I understand the cap enough to explain it, but the intricacies of what will happen with Trevor Lawrence's contract, um, I don't know that anybody can explain it because I don't know how, I don't think they know yet how it'll be structured. But those quarterback mega deals, which is what Trevor, you assume, will get, get very complicated. Um, you know, I forget who was on the show at some point. Uh, Maybe in Bucky Brooks who said it. He will probably be a $50 million player. Oh, I would think um, maybe more than that. Yeah. Depending so, on what Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert get when their contracts are done this yeah, year. Yeah, so it is a cap situation that they have to prepare for. 
Um, and you've got to get it right. Yeah. And, it, and that's all they're doing. They're not being cheap. They're not ignoring things. They are trying to get this right for the long term so that you can build around this quarterback and, and have a successful functioning franchise for 10 or 12 years. It will be different. And they will and it it will not be a, as deep a team around Trevor Lawrence, but when you take the number one overall pick in the draft, if he works out as a quarterback, you have to build around that and he has to be a Mahomes level player at right. some point for them to win Super Bowls. Is that fair to put on him? I don't know, but that's the cap reality of how that thing has to be structured at some point. Well, and you look at, at Mahomes, and he had a 10-year contract worth almost a half a billion dollars, right? And it's it's sort of a, uh, a different contract than the traditional quarterback contract. Well, but I think they have to be. Well, okay. That's what I was getting at earlier. Right. I think the in, in order to make that work, I don't think it can be a traditional contract. Okay, so we're going to get a sense, though, of two young quarterbacks in the AFC with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, who are both eligible for contract extensions this year, and that will give us perhaps a clue into how they set this whole thing up. Let's go back to big thing one briefly, and that's improvement. And it's something that you just don't talk about, but young players getting better. Trevor Lawrence, Trayvon Walker, uh, Walker Little is obviously going to be a starter now. There are a number of young players on this roster. I mentioned Tyson Campbell, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of guys who, through coaching, through another year in a system, which when was the last time you had back-to-back, you know, right. 2019, 2020? Uh, and a lot of these guys weren't here for that. So you've got the opportunity to coach these guys, to get these guys through your, your off-season program and improve for everyone to improve. Yeah, there's sometimes very often a difference a big difference between what the buzz is around a franchise and what the reality is inside a franchise. And I think when you're mentioning this, this is the reality of how this team can improve. Um, We all like to talk now because we like shiny objects about free agency and about getting better during that time and about signing guys. And you can do it that way. But if you think about it, they let Jawan Taylor go. Well, you have Walker Little on the roster. Um, that's why he's there. That's why he's there, and that's how you turn into a draft and develop team. Now, I'm not saying they didn't want to draft and develop Jawan Taylor, but at some point you have to make choices on those kind of uh, those kind of players. It's the same deal when you drafted Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd, who you didn't have on this list, and Chad Muma last year. By definition. NFL people understand those guys probably aren't going to have major impact as rookies. But when you take those two players in in round one, in the second year, this team has to be built defensively around those guys. Right. The disruption up front that we didn't see enough last year, Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker, first-round players, they need to be guys that we're all talking about. Oh, look at that defense. Look at it improve. That's why. Draft and develop. Yeah. That's where draft and develop comes in. It doesn't often happen as rookies. Think about Trevor Lawrence as a rookie. I mean, many, many factors. But they got nothing like they got in year two out of Trevor Lawrence as a rookie. That same thing has to happen with Lloyd and Walker, or else the plan that they had for those guys isn't working as they thought. doesn't mean they can't win, but it means that that's not working right. as well as they thought. Year two has to be those guys' year. Lloyd, Walker, Muma. 
Fortner, uh-huh. right? I mean, you just look at all the young guys on both sides of the ball. It's a talented young roster. If you're going to be a draft and develop yep. team, you got to improve. That's when that has to happen. It's in year two. And the coaching staff obviously has a huge hand in getting that done. All right, those are big things. When we come back, we'll take a look at the other teams in the AFC South, what they've got accomplished, and what their big challenges are in the South as we head towards the draft at the end of April. This is Jags Drive Time on the Jaguars Digital Network. Rolling right along here through Jags Drive Time. Brian and John, our broadcast crew. Next week, John will be from Arizona, joining us from the owners' meetings, and we'll preview that a little bit here at the end of the show. But let's talk about the AFC South. And, John, each one of these teams has the very same question, right, looming over it. But we'll start with the Colts, and they've got a new coach. Um, They've got a new quarterback in Gardner Minshew, and they're looking for another quarterback. In other words... The issue for them is who's going to play quarterback for Shane Steichen in that new offense that he's trying to build up there. Yeah, and it's to me the Colts. It, the, there's some irony here because they were a franchise that had been blessed for two decades, basically. Peyton Manning number one overall, Andrew Luck number one overall, that never had a problem with quarterback. When I covered the Colts, obviously they were a quarterback centric team. They had some Hall of Famers around it, which is why they had they had sustained excellence. But they were built on the quarterback, and I don't say it was easy, but, boy, when you have that piece, everything else sort of falls into place. The reverse has been true for the last four or five years. Last year their roster I don't think was as good as it had been in the last probably five or six years before that. But they showed the NFL truism right now. They had a good roster for four or five years yeah. and kept trying to find the quarterback. Kept trying, And I remember walking around the Colts hallways when I was there and experienced NFL people saying, you know, just remember, it's hard to find that guy. You know, and, 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 and sort of trying to have an awareness of we are really fortunate to have that guy. Well, all of a sudden they showed you the last four or five years. When you don't, it's just hard to make it work. Well, and they're still looking for it. Gardner Minshew. Yeah, he, he, the Colts would tell you he's going to be the guy. No, he's just term. bringing the system in, right? Um, he's coming with Steichen to bring the system in. He's a, Jacoby Brissett was there, and then Philip Rivers right. came in, then Carson Wentz, then Matt Ryan. And around them, you mentioned the roster. They had some receivers, yeah. Jonathan Taylor, a good offensive line. We know they traded for DeForest Buckner. Had and you plopped either of their two quarterbacks from the last 20 years into, into that into roster. Their roster, they're probably a Super Bowl team. But they didn't have it, and now – you hear you hear talk that they're investigating the Lamar Jackson situation um, or the draft. Uh, to me, their story uh, from a 30,000-feet view stops and starts at quarterback. What are they yeah. going to do with it? Well, it makes sense because of the way that Steichen worked with Jalen Hurts last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious what they do with all those defensive players that they've got. There's some big numbers over on that side of the ball, guys that they've paid – um, and a roster that doesn't appear ready to go. Yeah, it's it. It's always going to be a dangerous team because uh, they have talent, and if they can put something in the quarterback position to make it work, uh, they they showed last year they were close at times, and the quarterback situation became a mess, and they still competed early. But uh, I I think they're dangerous, but until they get that fixed. Uh, I'm not sure they're a playoff team. All right, on to the Titans, who have the same head coach and apparently the same quarterback to go with the new GM, Rand Carthon. Uh, 
we've talked on the show a lot about our admiration for Mike Vrabel. Mm-hmm. And if you need to know anything more about how good Mike Vrabel is, just go back and look what he did with Josh Dobbs here. Yeah. You know, on the final Saturday night of the season when they came down and they were ready to play, despite the fact that they were playing with a guy who'd been on a practice squad in Detroit a few weeks earlier. So that coach gets guys ready. But where, where, where are the Titans? Where is this team? Ryan Tannehill, it appeared that they were ready to move on from him. Now it appears they're going to go with him. New offensive coordinator. They have cut a number of players. They've let uh, Taylor Lewan and Ben Jones mm-hmm. go from their offensive line. Um, they released Bud Dupree on the defensive side. Things yeah. seem different. I, they do. And uh, I always I always say with the Titans, especially with Vrabel, write them off at your own risk because as we saw in that situation, this was a beat-up team. Uh, they still figured out a way to, you know, I think if you remember the Titans, you probably say we won that game except for a, a fluky play at the end. That's how they're seen. I don't, I don't agree with that assessment, but right. if, if I was in their locker room, that's what I would think. So um, even with change, you've got to figure that they are going to go into the season next year with a plan to be competitive in game. No other breaks go their way at the end of games. But I just don't see them as a team that's not going to be competitive in games. Well, here, here's my question, though. If they're going with Ryan Tannehill, then I assume they're going to go with Derrick Henry. He's still on the roster. He hasn't been traded. Right. right? Which means you're going to keep playing the same style mm-hmm. that you're playing, except that you have to go find four new offensive linemen. Right? Yep. And has that style translated enough? They've been in the playoffs, but they haven't right. gotten anywhere. I mean, yeah, I should they be going down that same oh, road? Oh, should they be? Uh, well, I'm asking that question now. Yeah, I don't know. Um, sometimes as a franchise, much like the Colts in the last five or six years, uh, and frankly the Jaguars for a long, long time, uh, when you're not in a position to go get a quarterback, uh, can you go get one? And that was sort of a weird way of saying that. But no, I see what you mean. You know, the Colts for years, I, I don't think anybody at the Colts would have told you, and probably the Jaguars in a few of their years, would have told you, yeah, we love our quarterback situation. But you're picking ninth, and all the quarterbacks are going to be gone by three, and you can't go trade up. So you've got a guy. You've got a fix, you know, so maybe that's where the, uh, the Titans are right now. They probably know that long term, it is Tannehill a you know is his career trajectory going to be Trevor Lawrence and Patrick Mahomes? Well, anybody thinks that, but okay, we can't have that. Well, what's our best option for right now? Because like the Titans are still trying to build for right now, trying to win now, and I think with Vrabel as your coach, I I could see a path if you're the Titans where you think you can go win the AFC South. You were incredibly beat up last year, had an awful year, and you were three minutes away from doing it. So you can certainly talk yourself in to believing that you have a chance to go win this division, and it, and you probably do. Now, can you go win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill? Um, I, I would say probably not. I'd, I'd say he's not in the handful of five guys that I would say are Super Bowl quarterbacks right now. But I don't know that they can go get that anyway so 
they probably see him right now as their best option. I, I, I understand why they're doing it the way they're doing it, because they're not in a position to get that quarterback right. this year. But it sure seems like they're not in the right now as much as they are treading water, trying yeah. to figure out a way to be able to take the assets that they still do have. And Derrick Henry's still a very powerful back mm-hmm. and a guy who can be very productive. And Tannehill's got a big arm. If they can go find a receiver for him, big question, right? And I think the Titans would tell you, too, is Traylon Burks that guy? They were incredibly beat up no, the second true. half of the season. Very much so. Um, so I, I, I think when they sit in their meetings in January and February, they say, look, uh, the chances are we're not going to be as beat up. Uh, Jacksonville is, is a good team. Do we see them as a 13-win team next year? I don't know how they see the, uh, the Jaguars, but Jaguars were a 9-8 and eight team this year. Uh, so I could see how they could say, okay, we're going to reload it here, know that we can't go get a franchise quarterback, and stay with the same formula because they believe they can win that way and their five-year history leading up to this season yeah. has shown that they could. Has shown they can. So I think that's how they play football. All right, so those are the two teams that this year were on top of the AFC South in most everybody's standings preseason, right? This next team is obviously the Texans, and they've got a new coach, no quarterback, but they have lots of cap space, and they have a ton of draft picks for the trade to of Watson, right? right? Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, they're sitting there at the number two spot, so if they like one of those quarterbacks, and, and you get the sense they're going to take one no matter what because they got to start. You've got to figure they're going to take a quarterback. Yeah. And uh, so that puts them in, in the situation. I can't compare it to the Jaguars right now because – the Jaguars had a quarterback that everybody believed was generational. Didn't play like it his, his rookie year, but that was the belief. Um, from what you hear about the quarterbacks in this year's draft, not a generational quarterback draft. So perhaps the expectations aren't quite the same. Um, it it feels more like a Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota type draft where you've got guys that you think, you hope, but that you don't really know for sure and you never know for sure the quarterback but it's not the same as a Trevor Lawrence draft right um so uh, they will be coming at you hard with young players young drafted players uh a lot of free agents rebuilt I'm sure their media guide and their signage next year will have uh, mottos about new generations um and we'll see if they can get it done it, would, would you be tempted at all to wait on the quarterback position if there's such look for instance right you have a quarterback in jacksonville that you've got to line up and beat twice a year mm-hmm. if um if the anderson kid from alabama right is the best pass rusher in the draft and you're not sure about the quarterback yeah. knowing that with D'Amico ryan you're just getting started it's not about this year it might even be about next year there are some quarterbacks available next year might you be tempted to take the uh, the pass rusher you're tempted um, but this is a sort of a copycat league in both directions. The Jaguars sort of did that in the early part of last uh, decade when uh, Caldwell and uh, Bradley came in, and they waited the first year. They didn't go get it, and then they went after Bortles, and that went as it did. Um, it's The NFL typically... People talk about waiting and being patient. Are they really patient in reality? Yeah. If you, if, no, I totally get it. You follow me? I so totally get it. I think in theory, you know, Dave and Gus sort of went theoretical with some of their build. Uh, it, uh, you know, 
they got the AFC Championship game, but I think most people around the league would look at that and say that build didn't work. So, you, so are you going to follow that theoretical model? You know, and I'm getting a little out there on that, but um, it's tough when you're actually the GM and you're actually the coach to say, hey, we're going to wait until next year because you got a season staring down your face, and that season's real. Well, I think when you look at the AFC South and through the lens of the quarterback position, um, a couple years ago, Deshaun Watson was a riser. Now sure. he's in Cleveland. Uh, Ryan Tannehill appears to be closer to the end than yeah. where he was, and obviously, since Andrew Luck, they haven't been able to find the quarterback. You're in the you're in the catbird seat in the AFC South because of your quarterback. Yeah, and so much can change. And you know, if the Colts indeed go get Lamar Jackson and and the Texans. Uh, sign the right guy, then maybe by week eight, or not sign the right guy, draft the right guy, maybe by week eight we're talking different. Right now it looks very unsettled except for the Jaguars. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, take a snapshot of what John is seeing in the Ozone mailbag here on Jags Drive Time. And welcome back to Jags Drive Time. Let's start with Tim from Fernandina Beach in the Ozone Snapshot. He writes, all the whiners who want us to re-sign everyone, sign all free agents, and trade for everyone should ponder the Los Angeles Rams. How is that working out for them now? Well, and, you know, we could have an entire show based on this topic. Oh, yeah. Uh, F them picks, right? What's that? F them picks? Wasn't that the t-shirt? Yeah, right. That's, uh, and it depends on what side you come down on. You can... You can laugh at the Rams because they're tearing it down right now, but they have rings. Yeah. And so was it a bad move, good move? Well, it, it, it was a calculated move. It was move. a darn good move when that confetti was falling. You bet. Um, and that matters. Uh, so the thing you want, you know, you can say go do that, and it's easy to say, uh, but d- going and doing it how the Rams did it, doesn't guarantee you a Super Bowl. If it did, everybody would do it. So it, again, comes back to how you feel about things, uh, what's your risk tolerance, and it also comes back to even with the Rams, within the context of their aggressive approach, they made moves that worked. They got the breaks at the end of that season, and they went and won it. That doesn't work for everybody. It's how they approach it. You can also win other ways. You can win in 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 more sustainable ways. They chose that way, and it worked for them. But you could go, again, you could have a million NFL shows talking about this one topic, and you're always going to have a great debate on either side. Well, and remember a conversation we had with Trent Baalke at the end of the year. When it comes to the salary cap, it's more about cash. Mm-hmm. Cash gives you flexibility. And with the kind of cash they throw off in Southern California, sure, they'll take a step back for a year or two, realign. Do, right. <laughs> and I think from the, the Rams' perspective, it was critical for them in that huge market where they're – no matter what it looks like on TV, they're not the most popular team. It was critical, critical that they do that for them in to talking be able to, to media around that team. Yep. The and I think it's going to dictate how they approach roster building the entire time they're there. And, and, and different they set of do demands. not believe that that city will support long rebuilds. Nope. Is the general feeling, and it's, they want stars. They want success. Yep. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes because I sense that the approach they took to get this one probably won't be the last time they do that. Who knows? I came well, I think you're right on. Feels like I that. think you're right on. I think it's kind of an interesting dichotomy because in Jacksonville, um, 
you don't have the cash that they have. I mean, they get forty million dollars a year for the naming rights, and and, and here, you know, in, in it's four or five million. So the cash that they've got to be able to overcome that. But what they also don't have that the Jaguars do, you build this thing, you fill your stadium every Sunday afternoon because it's the only game in town. And I had a cab driver when I was out there for a pro day at USC once say, oh, no, the Rams. I mean, they're like sixth or seventh when they're good. Right. You know, when you start factoring in the Dodgers and the Lakers and USC and UCLA and all those things. So a uh, different approach. The Jaguars' approach is going to have to be – Build mm-hmm. and build and build and build and sustain it. All right. How about Howard from Homestead? Says children who got their Christmas presents early should not complain about a bear tree on Christmas Day. Hashtag Ridley. Yeah, and I think this is a pretty short answer. Um, say what you want about what they're not doing this off season, but Calvin Ridley's an addition, yeah. and he's an improvement. And and I think within the context of that too, he's an eleven million dollar cap hit. I think. Um, you know, had they not gone and gotten Ridley and had him as $11 million on the cap, then yeah, there's a chance they would have probably gone and tried to figure something else out to, quote, have the outside improvement. But uh, uh, Calvin Ridley is, is a major addition to this franchise and was a necessary and I don't think you can underestimate the foresight of, of that move Yeah, considering that there has not been a lot of movement and action. Uh, I don't think you could have waited and, and and tried to go get that level of contribution and free agency. Um, it wasn't going to be out there. So my hashtag for this would be delayed gratification because when they did it last October, yeah, it would be long. Uh, last October, everyone's like, yeah, well, we got to wait on it, right. and now here you are. At the start of free agency, you're like, yeah, we're still waiting on it. Right. It'll be worth it when it finally shows up. Yeah, there. and. Uh, so, yes, good point, Howard from Homestead. All right, Rusty from New Iberia, Louisiana. You have said you always overpay in free agency. If so, how is it ever possible to re-sign your own guys? Seems like there will always be some other team willing to overspend. Well, it's a fair point, and probably within the context of that phrase, you you know, you always overpay in free agency. You always overpay your own guys, too. The difference is when you pay your own guys, you know exactly what you're paying for. Your risk is much, much lower than when you pay somebody else's guy because you know what you're getting, you know how they fit, you know their work ethic, you know how they approach the game. Uh, so you overpay everything in this league. Um, the idea is to re-sign your own, to keep a core, and to know what you're re-signing. Um, you can't keep everybody. Right, and we just saw that, and, and the system is designed so that you don't get to keep everybody, and the Jaguars are going to see some of that through the next couple of years. So you'll overpay to keep the guys you want, and some guys will go because they're overpaid by other teams. That's just the system, especially when you have the quarterback. This is designed to let guys hit free agency. I hated to see Juwan Taylor go after the year that he had, but that's why you drafted Walker Little. I mean, that's that's exactly the reason he's here, not to be a swing tackle, not to replace Cam in two years, but to be able to replace so that you can let Juwan walk and keep Evan Ingram and keep some of your core guys around. You've got to let people walk. And Eventually, you have to let some guys go. And if you think about it, it's a fairly – not the same situation, but let Arden Key go. What you drafted last year is supposed to come along and replace That's that. the improvement. And that's it, where it happens. And so. – and, and Caleb on Chason is right. a guy that people have all but forgotten about, and he hasn't done a lot to earn people mentioning him. 
But maybe you get some improvement from him, and he learned something from Arden Key and can slide into that role and give you something. And then, of course, next year he'll be ready for free agency, and you got to let him go. Right. Get used to this because it's you know, I think they're going. If things go right for this franchise, there are going to be more subtractions in the off seasons. Yeah. It's the way in additions at this time of year. Look at the Steelers as well as the Colts and some of those teams in the way that they've done it. All right, we'll come back and wrap up Jags drive time here from TIAA Bank Field right after this. All right, back to wrap things up here. Don't forget that you can join Magellan by applying online at www.magellanlogistics.com. Magellan Office has been voted the coolest office space in Jacksonville, so help them move the freight. Again, apply online at magellanlogistics.com. Next week, as I uh, foreshadowed, you will be in Arizona, and we will do this program live. And you will be covering what stories? Uh, We will have talked um, on Monday morning, to Jaguars uh, head coach Doug Peterson. There's an AFC coaches breakfast where the media talks to uh, different coaches. So that's usually a, 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 a good spot to sort of get updated. You have the combine, then you have the owners meetings, and you have the draft. Uh, this is sort of the second tier of, uh, of getting to talk to the head coach about some of the topics. I'm sure he'll, he'll discuss free agency approach and uh, thoughts going forward. So and, and then I'll be talking to Jaguars owner Shad Khan on Tuesday, which we won't talk about on drive time, but that's something to watch because uh, Shot will be talking about the season uh, and uh, different things going on around the franchise. So it's always good. Looking forward to it. John, thanks so much. And to all of our broadcast crew, appreciate your assist this morning. Have a wonderful day and a great week. We'll talk to you next week on Jags Drive Time.